my Force-sensitive friends to the 60th ever full episode of Holy Star Wars. I'm Jason, and as always, remember to join in the conversation before, during, and after the show at HolyStarWars at gmail.com, online at HolyStarWars.net, and via Twitter at Holy underscore Star underscore Wars. Wow. <laughs> wow. Just, just wowie. Whoa. <laughs> 60. I mean, I don't, how, how did I do this? How did I get here? Uh, podcast for me is far more than just how many people listen and how many people interact but for me it's it's a great opportunity to be taking things i'm interested in and love and 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 find ways to make the world better and my hope is always to continue to be doing this to help other people find this as well no matter what i'm gonna be here and i'm gonna be doing it and i'll be feeling good and uh happy may 4th and uh, I guess that's a day, right? People people do that thing. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry this episode's super late. You know, life's hard. Mental health is a joy. And here we are. Hopefully we're back on the horse. We'll see. I can only hope, but you know I'm not going anywhere no matter what. This week, we continue on with more Clone Wars with Season 1, Episode 16, The Hidden Enemy. In celebration of the release of God of War for the PS4, we're going to be doing an episode from Norse mythology getting into the death of Baldur. I know that God of War kind of came out like two weeks ago already, but I'm still stoked about it. I've been watching a great Let's Play. Check out Jesse Cox and the completionist Gerard Khalil. They're fantastic. Gerard is literally one of the reasons why I do this podcast. And yeah, check them out. It's a great, it's a great Let's Play. They're great people. But anyway, death of Baldur... The hidden enemy and the theme, treachery. Treachery is the betrayal of trust or an act of deception, intentional or possibly even otherwise. I do personally believe somebody can be treacherous without intending to do harm, so long as the betrayal or deception is deep. I think the term specifically is in reference to really big deals, like major acts of betrayal. Palpatine's betrayal of the Jedi and the Republic was treacherous. The destruction of Alderaan, Anakin murdering younglings, even Yoda's lack of awareness of the Jedi's failure to protect the galaxy by his insolences and superiority is treacherous, as he betrays everyone he cares about in the entire galaxy in an utterly devastating way. Of course, whenever watching the Clone Wars, there's always the looming treachery inherent in the war itself and how completely antithetical to the Jedi dogma the entire thing is. There isn't enormous detail given as given to us for the premise of the specific battle that the episode takes place during, just that it's a big deal and it happened shortly before the Clone Wars movie began. We're talking about the Battle of Christophus here. I suppose the longer I think about it, the more I realize how broad treachery can be applied, so long as it has the extreme negative consequence associated. That said, it's probably also important to recognize, too, when it's being used too generously. In this episode, this is a very, very clear... There, there's a very, very clear treachery as the clones and Jedi are betrayed by one of their own. And again, not to mention, you know, the whole Palpatine's betraying everyone thing. It's total betrayal, what happens in this... With, with uh, the clones in their own ranks. The Republic and its forces have no expectation at this point that clones are even capable of betraying their programming and their mission and their brothers and the Jedi. This has all the components of treachery, betrayal, deception, grave consequences, as well as a total lack of ability to ever trust Slick, the traitor, again. Or, or do we? Let's come back to that in a minute. Let's jump into the Norse mythology for a bit. The story of Baldur's death is well-documented one, appearing in both the prose and poetic Eda, and is known as one of the first stages in the cycle of Ragnarok, the end times in Norse mythology. 
Now, a refresher on Ida. This is, uh, Ida is the, the poetic Ida was written by Snorri Stullerson in the, I think it was the 13th century in Iceland. He was a historian and a lawyer and a parliamentarian and oh my god, he was, he literally did everything. And he wanted to preserve the ancient Norse mythology that had been slowly disappearing and had never been codified and never been written down before really. Uh, although the, the prose Ida and the poetic Ida were kind of written around the same times, but from different sources, different places and Similar stories, though, and so we know that these are the true, the true North myths, Norse myths. We just didn't really have it written down before Snorri did it, and so um, it was written in a time where Christianity was taking over the world, and uh, in order to tell the stories and to not be seen as a heathen and a and an infidel, he needed to basically mask it as just a fairy tale, kind of, and he had to tell the story through a frame and um, where. An ancient king of Norway, I think it was Norway, it happens upon one of Odin's many disguises and learns all of the history of the of the of of the Norse mythology, basically, and, and the cycle of Ragnarok. And so, uh, yeah, we did an episode about the frame story, uh, high, just as high, and third is what it's called. Uh, we did that way back in episode twenty, a good while ago, with our friend Tim McMahon from Less Than Twelve Parsecs. Go listen to Less Than 12 Parsecs. Fantastic show. They're the fastest Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. And, uh, yeah. So, that's a good, a little, a little refresher on the, the background behind the Norse mythology. We'll, we'll have a little page about it on the website soon up, up, uh, sometime during this next, over the weekend or in the coming week to give a little bit of a background on Norse mythology. Um, as we've been doing with all of our episodes recently to help be able to elevate voices and express, uh, you know, hear from, hear from culture that is beyond our own. So, the actual story, the death of Baldur. Baldur was the nicest, bestest of all the gods, everybody's favorite, everybody's best friend, and of course, one day he started having prophetic dreams of his death, because, you know, what else is new in the stories of gods? For a god, this is obviously going to be horrifying, especially knowing that the death of the gods is the core component of Ragnarok. In the cycle of Ragnarok, the, from, my, from what I understand, at least, the gods know that the cycle of Ragnarok exists. Like, they're aware, and what this story kind of shows is their attempt to thwart that from, prevent that from happening, but the inevitability of it all just takes over. So, um, of course, like any magical beings would do in face with, an, with a prophecy, they seek to prevent it. So Odin, king of Asgard, and father of Baldur, goes off to Hell in one of his many disguises in search of a seer who can tell him what the dreams mean. He literally wakes up a dead seer to do this and demands she answer his questions before she can return to death. The poetic Edo version of this is actually, like, it's really cool. Um, I would check it out. It's really interesting. But anyway, she tells him all about why Hell has been decorated so fancy and that it's because they are anticipating Baldur's arrival and are quite excited since, you know, who doesn't love Baldur? She realizes that the person asking is Odin, though, and leaves him before he can learn exactly all the details. So Odin returned to home and told everyone what he'd learned back at Asgard. Baldur's mother, Frigg, refused to let this come to pass. She went to literally every living thing in the Nine Realms and made them swear they wouldn't harm him course, they all did, since, again, he was so beloved. However, she didn't ask the mistletoe for its word. 
Loki, trickster god and complicated brother to Odin, and supposed best friend of of uh, of Thor, uh, Heimdall. Sorry, buddy. Uh, I guess sort of spoiler for for uh, what's it called for uh, Infinity War, where Thor calls Heimdall's best friend out of absolutely nowhere. Never in my life did I think that that was true, but whatever. I guess. Um, anyway. Loki went to another god, Hodor, who was, uh, he was blind and jealous that he wasn't getting to participate in all of the making fun of Baldur and all the other guys were throwing rocks at him and being like, oh, look at Baldur, he's invincible, he's never gonna die, let's try and kill him because he's never gonna die. And, uh, well, Loki goes to Hodor and was like, hey, in disguise, of course, he was like, hey, you wanna have part of the fun? And Hodor is like, of course. And so Loki and his disguise is like, well, here, take this branch and I'll point it to this mistletoe branch and I'll point it towards uh, towards Baldur for you and you can you can throw it. And so he did. And Hodor throws the mistletoe branch and kills Baldur on the spot. Loki was banished instantly for this act and the entirety of Asgard mourned. I mean, they obviously were not expecting this. They thought that they were doing their thing and that they were keeping keeping uh keeping Baldur safe but by by making everyone in the dining room swear but because Frigg thought you know why should I have to ask the mistletoe the mistletoe is just you know mistletoe it's the lowliest living thing in, the, in, uh, in existence why who cares but because she refused to to believe that the, that the mistletoe could have any influence she screwed up and Loki was able to use it against against Baldur and kill him what happens from there is that Frigg is so desperate, she asks for a volunteer to travel back to Hell and barter for Baldur's life. Hermod, 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 another brother of Baldur, volunteered and rode long into the depths of Hell until he eventually met Hell himself and asked for Baldur back. Hell itself, Hell is one of the nine realms, although it's sometimes uh, conflated with Nephilim. I believe it's Nephilim, and. Uh, I, I, Helheim, and uh, we're honestly not entirely sure which of those two is the realm. Are they separate? What the nine realms actually are is not entirely clear based on the the Gita. But um, side the point, Hell is both the name of the realm and the name of the god of Hell. So and and death. So Hell said, if every being in the realms would weep for Baldur, then he would do it. He'd send Baldur back, and it would be fine. And so every being did, except for Loki, who, because he's a coward, disguised himself as a giant, and because he refused to cry, Baldur was stuck in hell until Ragnarok came and the world began anew. The obvious treachery in this epic story should be the betrayal of Loki, shouldn't it? I'm, but can betrayal be a betrayal if you are expecting them to betray you? Is that still treachery? I, I, I guess? I, I'm... I'm less interested in the answer, I guess, than, and more interested in the thinking that goes into the question. Should we be shocked when we're hurt by people we expect to be hurt by? Should we be protecting ourselves against them? Is it even worth it because, like Baldur, they're still going to always find a way to hurt us? I mean, Loki was once the best friend of Thor and brother to Odin in the mythology, but it also is well known by the gods that his betrayal will usher the end of the world, and that he will side with the giants during Ragnarok and all these things. The preordained nature of Norse mythology certainly makes it all much more difficult to understand whether treachery applies and whether the Aesir, the 
the gods are duped or if they're just ignorant. I wonder the same thing in the Clone Wars episode. Obi-Wan and Anakin are heading off to meet with the Separatist leader after they had been betrayed from within their own ranks, and as they ride, they become quickly aware that they're being set up. When they arrive and are instead met by Asajj Ventress, they feel betrayed, but, but why? They knew they were getting set up, as it was, and they know that there's a Sith conspiracy, and they know that the Separatists are a bunch of good-for-nothings. So, like, why the surprise? Why feel betrayed? Well, I think they saw the treachery in this because even if they expected the results, they were still hopeful there would be a new leaf turning or that somebody on the other side would be decent. The fact that they're working against truly evil beings doesn't negate the fact that they expect better. I mean, Ventress is still treacherous for betraying the Jedi simply by the nature that she is evil and does evil things. Looking at it this way, I feel it's fair to say that Loki's behavior was treacherous, regardless of whether it was expected or not. What he does is malicious and out of jealousy and causes essentially the death of a beloved god and the end of the world. There's other things that I might wonder are treacherous too that are different kinds of questions and we can, you can, we can think about these on our own whether, you know, Frigg's demand that, um, Frigg's, Frigg's refusal to believe that the mistletoe could possibly have any influence. Is that betrayal and is that treachery uh, or uh, Odin's waking up the seer from the dead? Is that treachery? Because that's totally not acceptable and normal but again different questions for different times i guess i want to focus on the central question of what does it mean to be treacherous is is and i think ultimately what i glean from this conversation is that what we have to know as that we have to know as best we can who we're working with and who's around us if we act like obi-wan and anakin did i think we're doing it just right we have enough faith to potentially have great success because we want to believe, but we also know the reality of what we're dealing with, and if betrayal is possible, we prepare for it and face it for what it is if it occurs. All the while, even repeated betrayal doesn't stop them from considering working with Separatist Adventures again in the future because they aren't beyond forgiveness. When it comes to betrayals, you don't expect the treachery that is only as preventable as it can be. There has to be appropriate punishment. Slick can't just get away with his what he does and go back to working if he claims to repent, even, even if he claims to repent. It's not only a danger because they might betray again, though that can't just be the blanket assumption. We, of course, want to give people opportunities for redemption, but it also gives the impression to others that they can get away with treachery too. It's why, for one example, totally unrelated to Star Wars, casting Johnny Depp in Fantastic Beasts has been so problematic. He's been accused of domestic violence and abuse against his ex-wife, yet he was given a starring role in this film. Even if Amber Heard publicly forgave him, for, or even if he apologized, his act of treachery was by no means absolved yet, and casting him in this film at the height of his treachery serves more than anything as proof that with enough power, which honestly in his case barely even any, save for being white man in a couple, and, and a couple of okay movies, you can get away with abuse. We don't want to be giving off the assumption that people can get away with awful things by just forgiving them instantly. That you can treat other people like that and a woman like that and women like that and still retain your power and fame and fortune with no repercussion at all. It, it, that's just beyond acceptable. So Slick needs to be punished. He must repent and prove himself worthy of redemption should he even seek it. It's not an instant thing. He can't just do it automatically. Ventures and the Seps need to be given the opportunity to relinquish their arms and step away from their treachery. Right, and Dell do it, Kalis does it, Kalis does it, and, and Rebels, their, their paths aren't easy, but if we do keep ourselves open to possibility that people can change, 
we will only ever be brought down by treachery over and over and over until all hope is lost and we have no trust in anybody. <laughs> so, I guess in my conclusion, when it comes to treachery, it, letter, it, it doesn't matter so much whether we expect it or not, whether, whether betrayal is the, the norm for those who are being treacherous. Treachery is treachery. And if you do things that are awful, you're doing things that are awful. Whether you're a good person doing wrong incidentally, or you're a bad person doing things wrong always, treachery is treachery. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we're allowing ourselves the space and the opportunity to, to uh, make redemption possible. You know, is everybody worthy of redemption? No, of course not. Um, probably not, at least. Maybe, I don't know, depends who you ask, and I'm not really sure what my answer is. But honestly, what matters a lot more is that we're at least giving ourselves the space to ask the question. Is the redemption uh, something that there that can be possible? Is this treachery something that they are absolving themselves of, not just by saying, I'm sorry, but acting on that. Undoing the treachery that they've, that they've, that they've caused, and uh, actively seeking to do so constantly. And uh, I guess this episode took a lot of different twists and turns beyond just what is treachery, but I think it's a it's been a, an important an important thought exercise nonetheless. Of course, as always, this is just my opinion, and I'd love to hear yours. Let us know what you think about this episode, the theme, the stories, Ragnarok, Infinity War, God of War, anything online at holystarwars.net via email at holystarwars@gmail.com and on Twitter at holy underscore star underscore wars. Super excited to hear from you, super excited to keep going and getting involved in this conversation. Very excited to continue making this podcast, no matter how many times I might miss a week, uh, I'm not stopping. So, I'm glad to be making this one for you all. Episode 60, we've done it. 40 more to 100, and, uh, you know, one more to 61. So, not quite sure what we're going to be doing next week just yet. Probably some more Clone Wars, but I'll let you know when I know. So, yeah. With that all said, thanks for listening.